With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Getting engaged is a moment worth cherishing. A one-of-a-kind ring that you design at Blue Nile can help your love sparkle. Just choose your diamond and setting. When you've found the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Finding the right engagement ring can be nerve-wracking. At Blue Nile, you'll have the expert guidance needed and a diamond guarantee that ensures you're getting the highest quality at the best price. Cherish all of life's moments and save up to 30% at BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Survivor 46 is here and so is On Fire, the only official Survivor podcast. And we have a twist this season. The winner of Survivor 45, D. Valladares, will be joining us every week. We're going behind the scenes of the biggest moments, the how and the why things happen, and the strategy and analysis you can only get from someone like me, a Survivor winner. Listen to On Fire, the official Survivor podcast, wherever you get your podcast. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not uh, as simple you know, I, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Whoa, 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 whoa. Hi, everybody. This is Hondo Carpenter from Sports Illustrated's Fan Nation, Las Vegas Raiders Insider Podcast part of the Fans First Sports Network. I am super excited to be with you today. I promised you that we would do a recap after the mini camp of some observations and, and some things that are going on inside the program, inside the organization, excuse me. And uh, that's what today's podcast is about. I got uh, almost into a second sheet of information, observations on certain players, Stuff that's going on, I'm going to give you a big Hunter Renfro update, a Josh Jacobs update, Jimmy Garoppolo, and a lot more. And I know that's what you want. Now, before we get into this, I just want to take a very quick second. Raider Nation, you guys have been incredible to us. Uh, tens of thousands of you have watched our podcast. You're, you're watching all of our videos from camp. I mean, you guys are on it. You're watching it, and I appreciate it. It means the world to me. And, and we're trying to give you the best and the most information that we can give you out there. And uh, I appreciate your response to it. Second of all, there is a, a problem when you make observations in minicamp and in OTAs about some players. And I need to explain what that is because I always try to give you the best information. On this podcast, we will never try to tell you what you should think. You're not stupid. You're not dumb. Just because you're not in the building every day like me doesn't mean that, that that you're ignorant at all. I mean, ignorant means lacking knowledge. So some are, but I mean, it's not in general that the fans, I, I, I just despise how media, whether it's politics, business, sports, weather, whatever, treat, treat the listeners and the viewers. Now, there are guys who look really good in shorts where it doesn't translate into pads. And so what happens is somebody will say, you always see media, ooh, this person looked really good, or ooh, this person. And then training camp comes or whatever, and people are like, well, where are they? You said they look good. I want to warn you, you don't put too much stock in just how a player looks in shorts. So I am going to talk about some rookies that I think had really good OTAs. And I'm going to explain to you things um, where they look good. I'm not going to say, boy, they look good physically, because it doesn't matter how you look, it's how you play. But there were a couple things that stood out on some rookies 
um, that are technique wise and things that I think will transliterate over into training camp. And we're going to get into all of that. Now, I want to start at the top with Hunter Renfro. Um, as you guys know, I reported months ago that if he wasn't on the Raiders when the season start, I would not be shocked. I stand by that. I also reported that the Raiders are not out there shopping him and wanting to get rid of him. I stand by that. I also said that if I if he was going to be traded, I would expect it after Jan, June 1st. Clearly, it's after June 1st, so I stand by that. <laughs> well, that's easy to stand by. Um, and then I also uh, have, have mentioned to you, I, I think the Raiders would let him go for a four. I think that's what they would like, but I think they would let him go for a five. I mentioned to you, though, that there is some consternation on Hunter because, you know, he's had the multiple concussions. And I want to get into some more because uh, I yesterday afternoon was talking to um, someone within the Raider organization by text. And um, they told me that they just had not been a lot of offers. And before there had been no offers. And before I could even write it to Sean Reed of The Athletic, my buddy to Sean, great guy. Um, wrote that uh, he was told the same by a source. I want to credit him because he got it out in the public first. And um, But I want to get into some detail here. When you look at when Hunter had his best numbers, you had a Darren Waller that was injured. Henry Ruggs wasn't part of the picture anymore. And he's never going to get back to those numbers in the Josh McDaniel system. And he's not going to take Devontae's numbers. He's not going to take Jacoby Myers' numbers. He's not going to take tight end numbers because Josh McDaniels loves the tight end in this system. And so that's never going to happen. But he is a wide receiver with value. Now, again, yesterday morning I was talking to three different teams. One of them has zero need at wide receiver. And they're on their their NFL computer and, and and talking to me about Hunter. And the problem is, is it's easier for the Raiders to now trade him because it's after June 1st. But he comes with a big guarantee. So a lot of fans are saying, well, why isn't there more interest? Well, the problem is, is, is the Raiders aren't, you know, they're not out there saying, gee, we got to get rid of Hunter. Let me just make this very clear. The Raiders are very fine carrying Hunter Renfro into the season. I still think that uh, I'll that I would not be surprised if he's not on the roster. But talking to other NFL teams, just with his guarantee and everything else, I, I want to read you what one NFL general manager said to me yesterday. He said, "I think it's pretty evident that Hunter is available, and I'm not saying that the Raiders are shopping him, but it is evident. I would expect him." to go probably in training camp after some teams either have injuries or realize certain guys are not going to perform. I would expect it to happen right there probably within that area if a move is made. Now, I read that one text because it's pretty much the sentiments of what I'm hearing. People, you know, the Raiders are not out there shopping them. People are aware that he could probably got be gotten. Um, I've had several people say, Honda, why don't you just tell us why? Why don't the Raiders want to get rid of him, but why would they be willing to trade him? Where's Hunter feel? I'm not going to get into any of that. Um, and I'm going to tell you why. Because I cover the Raiders, and it's my job to know what's going on and present you the information. The information is I still would be surprised if Hunter's on the roster, but they're not giving him away. They don't want to get rid of him. If Hunter is moved, I'll give you a lot of details of what's going on. But I know there are some media, and it's not because I've seen their reports, but because you guys are emailing me that are acting like the Raiders are out there trying to get rid of Hunter Renfro. Not true. Not true. They like Hunter. They like his talent and his ability. And they're not cutting him. And he's got a substantial contract. So do I think the Raiders would move them? Absolutely. Do I think you that they would love a four? Yes. Do I think they'll probably settle for a five? Mm-hmm. And it could be, who knows what it could be.
but the Raiders have a ton of wide receivers signed. They like the wide receiver core that they have, and now it's just a waiting game. It's waiting for a lot of NFL teams are like, all right, let's see how this guy performs in camp or how this guy performs. And and again, that's just – and then there are some teams because of Hunter's contract that aren't in a place financially to take a Hunter Renfro. That's a big deal. And that's a contract that, the, that, that this regime gave him. You know, this regime gave Derek Carr the contract they gave him because they didn't expect Derek to be moved. Well, it happened. He's gone. They gave Hunter Renfro this contract because they didn't expect him to be moved. Well, now he may be. That's on them. You got to put that squarely on them. It's their contracts. But I don't think they're upset about the Hunter contract because they're willing to keep him. But he is available. And I wanted everyone to understand that, you know, no one's called the Raiders and made an offer. I'll make that clear. No one has made an offer. And that's according to a Raiders source. And uh, But again, talking to other teams, they all believe that he's available and can be gotten. And um, if it's something's going to happen, it's probably going to be a little bit more closer to the season. But I want to make you aware that the Raiders are fully content carrying him into next year. Now, I don't know how content he would be. Now, I think publicly he would be very content. But privately, because there's going to be a lot of options for the football. And when Derek Carr was here, Hunter Renfro was a major option. And there are so many weapons now. It doesn't mean that he's an insignificant option, but it certainly means he's not as big as he was. So there's an update there. As far as Josh Jacobs, again, um, nothing has changed. He loves the Raiders, wants to be the Raiders for a long-term deal. The Raiders love him. The Raiders would love him for a long-term deal. The problem that you run into is defining a long-term deal. I mean, look at all of the good running backs that are still available in free agency. Dalvin Cook just gets gets cut. And I told you when Dave Ziegler and Josh McDaniels got hired, one thing you're going to see is financial discipline, willing to let players go a year early, then keep them a year late. So I think that that's the semantics. I do absolutely expect him to play on the franchise tag. And I have no doubts about that and talking to people close to the situation. But the long-term deal, that's that's where the situation is. You have to remember, Josh's first three years were good years. Nobody's doubting that. Nobody is. Year four was a great year. It was a great year. But the problem with it being a great year was it was also a contract year. So then that's another concern that you have to have about Josh is, you know, what's going to, I'm sorry, I'm looking, I just got a text. I wanted to make sure it was, I'm waiting on one text for this podcast and this wasn't it. Anyways, it's making sure um, that it's a deal that works for both parties. So again, I don't think there's anything to be worried about with Josh. I do think though, as you look around the NFL, even if you're a fan and a huge fan of Josh's, and I don't know who isn't, um, I, I think you have to at least applaud the current regime for being financially responsible and not overpaying at a position. I think if you go back and look at the Raiders history, especially when Al Davis was in charge, I think there were lots of times they overpaid for guys because of nostalgia, because of family, they, the, the sense of family that the Raiders carry. And um, I think they're trying to be extremely careful about that. Now, I also wanted to address another issue. I often refer to Max Crosby as the very best defensive end in the NFL, and I stand by that. I think he's the best. I know um, I'm very good friends with an offensive lineman from the AFC West. In fact, my my wife and I have spent significant time with him um, um, recently. And I know what other people say about um, say about Max. I know what other coaches and general managers say about Max, and uh, I, I stand by it. I've taken some criticism, and I don't mind that. I'm certainly not God, and and I'm open to any criticism that you want to offer. You know, why would you call Max the best but not Josh? And I want to address this. I've said multiple times, I think Josh Jacobs is the second best running back in the National Football League. But here's the difference. 
if you've ever watched a basketball player that has to have other people um, help him to get open to make a shot, it doesn't mean he's a bad player. But then you turn on the film and you watch guys who create their own shot. Guys that will go. I watched uh, one time I'm, I was sitting second row uh, watching Curry and the Golden State Warriors. And he was running off opponents and his own guys who weren't even setting picks as picks, creating his own shot. It's why he's an elite player, because if nothing's there, he can create on his own. Josh Jacobs is a great running back, second best in the National Football League, in my opinion. The problem is, is if there's not a hole, you don't see Josh often create his own opportunity. I think Derrick Henry is. I think Derrick Henry is a guy that I have watched him with no hole uh, run over his own guys, run over guys in the other team for 20, 30, 40-yard runs because he's a creator. And I think at running back, the way defense is spread out now and the speed of of that, I think that's an elite quality. And I, I just wanted to address that because I've been asked that a few times. And I think it's – and when more than one person asks the same thing, I think you start to look and say, is it is it legitimate? And I think it is. Now, let's talk about Jimmy Garoppolo. As you guys know, none of my reporting has changed on this. Everybody expects him to be completely ready. Um, I know for a fact he's in meetings. I know for a fact he's spending time with his teammates. Uh, he's not in a boot. I know that I, someone asked me recently, they said, um, and I'm going to address this in my Q&A article, you know, is Jimmy in a boot? Yeah, he was back in March when I said he was, but he's not in a boot anymore. He's doing great. Uh, he's been out and about with his teammates, spending a lot of time with his teammates, walking fine. So th there is zero concern whatsoever. I have said and I maintain the biggest concern with Jimmy Garoppolo is if he'll be healthy for 17 games, not whether or not he'll be healthy for the regular season. So um, there you go with Jimmy Garoppolo. Next, I want to talk about um, Jacorian Bennett. Now, again, I'm going to when I talk about a rookie, I'm going to discuss things with you that have nothing to do with pads. So that is a huge caveat, huge caveat. But Jacorian Bennett has come into um, practice, into OTAs and mini camps, and that guy's on a mission. Um, I was talking to one of the Raiders' offensive players uh, last night, as a matter of fact, and I just said, you know, hey, how's camp, man? And he goes, dude, that Jacorian Bennett, he's a real deal. And I said, you know, talk to me about it. And so they 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 shared with me just his ability to flip his hips. Um, many of you remember he was in a great defensive backfield with Maryland where the guy on the other side went in the first round and he got a, a lot because a lot of throws didn't go that way. He got a lot of throws. So he's had a bunch of experience. Um, so people really like the way he flips his hips and his speed has been very impressive. Um, I'm told a couple things is, is that his speed is great. So he's able to make up, um, you know, when guys get behind him a little bit because at the NFL, everybody's good. Remember, everybody he goes against every day in practice is better than everybody he played, not named Marvin Harrison Jr. Now, with that said, a couple things about him. Number one, um, he's go once the pads come on, teams, because he's so aggressive, teams are going to try him a little bit. You know, again, I mentioned this when he was drafted. You're you're going to see a Patrick Mahomes who goes running full speed towards the line of scrimmage and is able to stop on a dime and give you nine cents change. And if he sees him running towards the line of scrimmage and his aggression kicks in, I'm going to go tackle him. Mahomes will just throw it over the top of his head. He's going to be tried there, and the Raiders are going to try him. They're going to try him. But it's going to be fascinating just to see how he does. But they love his speed. Now he's handsy. He likes to put his hands on guys. And you may remember a few weeks ago, if you didn't see it, go back and watch my podcast with Trey Waynes. Trey Waynes was one of the best college cornerbacks you've ever seen in your life who got drafted in the first round by the Vikings. And he talked on our podcast about the difficulty 
is in college, you can use your hands a lot more than you can in the NFL. Chakor is handsy, so he's going to have to work on that. But I'm going to tell you, he impressed his teammates. Very impressed. Now, another guy that really impressed was Robert Spillane. I got to share with you a, a great analogy. Someone was telling me that, that you know, Robert's the Mike linebacker, and he's calling out plays, putting guys in position, and he saw a mistake somebody made, not going to tell you who the mistake was, and he rotated over and jumped in, helped in on coverage on Devontae Adams. Now, you may say, well, that was a bad decision to put Robert on Devontae. They didn't decide to put him there. He saw a mistake, so he slid over to help in coverage, and he made a great play. And do you expect Robert Spillane covering Devontae Adams every play? Come on. Of course not. But it really impressed his teammates that a guy made a mistake, he covered it, made a play. He's playmaker now. And they really like him, and the team really likes him a lot. He has really been a huge help to a lot of these young guys. I'm thinking especially Amari Bernie, Drake Thomas, he has been a real big help. Now, he's also building a great relationship with Divine Diablo. Um, a couple of weeks ago before OTAs, we had written an article at our Sports Illustrated's Fan Nation Raiders today about Divine Diablo stepping into his own. And if you go back and read the Twitter feeds and whatever, man, did that get criticism, massive amounts of criticism. But we had heard what was going on inside the building. It was there every day lifting weights every day, watching more film. I was told by uh, a member of the Raiders organization, he watched more film this offseason than the previous two years combined. And it didn't mean he didn't like film, but he was just a gym rat. He's in there, he's watching, he's learning. He's carrying that confidence now. He is really carrying it. Now, we've, we it was pub, made public he's wearing a green dot during OTAs, and that's true. And when they go to a four-linebacker set, they'll have two middle inside linebackers in Spillane and Diablo. But Spillane is your middle linebacker when they're in the 4-3. But Diablo's come in and in year two has really established himself as a leader. Now, I shared this story. And if you go back and watch the interviews, you're going to see my interviews with divine and i asked him about this but i had reported on it before it had been asked and that was this um he's putting guys in places and he's he's being vocal and that comes with confidence i think up to now and i said this last year divine diablo is a, is a young man that had all the skills but didn't necessarily have the confidence i think he's got it now and let's be honest how many of us, two years out of college, multimillionaires, you know, where where were we needed to be confidence-wise? You know, I'm, I'm sitting here and I'm a 52-year-old man and my confidence is extremely different than where it was 30 years ago or 28 years ago. And I think he's grown into it. I do have high expectations for Divine, Div Divine Diablo. Now, <clears throat> I want to get into Brian Hoyer a little bit. Because Brian has um, – now, I always say this, and it's not bragging, but in the interest of fair disclosure, you know, I, I, I have a good relationship with Brian. And I'm not – Brian Hoyer, a 15-year vet, is not brought in to lead your franchise long-term. Okay? He's my friend, but I admit that. That's just – that's not even a difficult admission to bring in. He was brought in to back up Jimmy in case he goes down because he knows the system inward and out. He's not going to hurt and, and destroy the Raiders. And he's also going to mentor Aiden O'Connell, who I'm going to talk about in a minute. But Brian, and, and this is on the record. You can go back and read what I wrote when he was in college and I was covering the Big Ten. Brian is the best play-action pass quarterback I've ever seen in my life. His ability to hide the ball on the back part of his thigh. I have had multiple NFL guys tell me how difficult it was to deal with that. And when you are a Josh McDaniel system that loves to utilize <clears throat> running back and running backs, 
love to utilize tight end and all your wide receiver weapons. That is completely invaluable. Additionally, I saw him at minicamp working with Aiden O'Connell and Chase on giving some wisdom. And how do you do this? What's the way that you move? Um, they have loved having Brian Hoyer as another coach. He knows this system as good as Josh McDaniels does. And so that has been a super blessing. Now, I want to commend Chase Garbers and Aiden O'Connell for a minute because they're listening. That's a big deal. They're paying attention. And you can see there was a drill um, that they did. And I'm, I've got to be very generic because you have to understand we can't share what, what, what goes on there. But there was a drill in which Brian did it. And then Chase went next. And then Aiden and Brian was explaining something. You could tell Chase or Aiden <laughs> had asked him a question. And he was explaining it. Then they did the same drill again. And the second time, Garbers and O'Connell did a great job. I just think I don't I think Brian Hoyer in the role that he was brought in for, you know, I've heard people say, what about Jameis Winston? Okay, Jameis doesn't know the system. Jameis, no doubt he's a good quarterback, not doubting his physical talents, but they needed Brian. Jameis is not a guy who has a long history of mentoring younger players, doesn't know the system, and he's not going to be your long-term solution either. So go get a guy that does everything Brian does. But I think he had a good camp, and it wasn't a good camp because he threw a bunch of great passes, which he did. It was a great camp because of his ability to mentor and pass on to those two younger guys. Then I want to get, uh, I want to address with Aiden O'Connell for a minute. Has real good zip on his ball, but this guy is a pocket passer. We know that we've 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 reported on that extensively, so I'm not going to spend any extra time on it. But one area that he's going to have to be careful is holding the ball too long. Now, I want to explain something. In college, I don't care how good your team is, even if you're going against Alabama or you're going against Georgia or whomever, the other teams don't have the level of talent that the NFL does. It's not even close. I mean, it's just not even close. And so you can hold that ball a little bit longer just because, you know, your offensive line is going to stop people and you're not going up against a ton of beasts. When you get to the NFL, you can't. I mean, it's one, two, three, out. And three, you want to be over three if you can. So 1,001, 1,002, 1,003. And by the time you get to 1,003, the ball's got to be gone. So, Aiden, I expected to hold the ball a little bit too long. When I watched him in college, I thought at the next level, he's going to hold the ball too long. It's something that that Brian is helping him with. He's going to be fine. There's no concern. In fact, um, you may remember, if you didn't watch my podcast during and after the draft, go back and watch them. <clears throat> but if he would have come out in 21, there was a lot of people that thought he would have been a first-round draft pick. And I think you're seeing all of that from Aiden O'Connell. It's been very impressive. Now, who knows till the pads get on, but it's going to be interesting to watch. I think he showed all of the intangibles that you can show without pads on. Now I want to get to the offensive line. You may remember a couple of podcasts ago, I I, I wrote last weekend, I was visiting with a um, Raider player and we were talking about the offensive line and how Carmen Brasillo um, has done a great job. And listen, I, I understand Raider fans, they love to hate the offense, this offensive line. I get it. But they blocked for the NFL's leading rusher. And I I was told yesterday that um, going into last year, they were like 29, 30, 31, 32, an offensive line and finished at 10. Was their um, pass blocking great? No, it's got to get better. But they are not as bad of an offensive line as fans seem to think they were. And then they went out and added more players. I still expect UDFA Dalton Wagner to make the practice squad. McClendon Curtis, we haven't seen much. The pads aren't on yet. I had him in my original breakdown making the roster. I'm going to stay there for right now 
But we have another week of OTAs next week. And um, then I'll come out with my way too early projected 53 man. We'll see where he sits then. But to go out and get Greg Van Roten, and he has looked sharp. This is a guy that plays all the time. He doesn't, you know, he's not a guy that's missing a ton of time injured. He played for the Buffalo Bills. Bills would have liked to have kept him, but they had some young players they had developed. And so for salary cap reasons, they let him go because of his veteran status and what it would cost. It wasn't a guy they let go because they didn't want him. It's a guy they let go because of the business side of it, which makes sense. And so that's where we find ourselves on the Raiders' offensive line. They looked super smooth. Now, you say, well, Hondo, it's just pads. You're absolutely right, just pads. But you watch for certain things with offensive linemen because unlike any unit in the game, they function as one. They're kind of one entity. And I saw Van Roten a lot getting his reps and, and how that offensive line just moved together. Brandon Parker, um, again, I took a ton of criticism. I know this guy isn't popular, but he gets injured early last year, and they kept him around. They didn't get rid of him because they believed in him. Um, I do think he's going to make the roster, and he has looked exceptionally well. I'm going to say this. Last year, you may remember, I said this on Raider Nation Radio. I wrote about it, everything else. I said, if the Raiders don't reach their goals in 2022, it will not be the offensive line's fault. That's absolutely true. That proved to be true. Um, I don't think that there are a lot of concerns on the offensive line. Do I think it's perfect? No. But, man, it's hard to find an offensive line that is perfect. Do I think it's plenty good enough to get this team a long ways? And that includes playoffs and playoff wins? Yes, I do. And they got some guys there. Plus, it doesn't mean another guy's not going to get cut that they can bring in. See, one thing I want you to understand about the Raiders system now, they're not married to anybody. Anyone on this roster can be cut or traded if they have a chance to better the franchise. Now, in the past, you saw the Raiders make some mistakes they stayed loyal to guys too long, or maybe a coach really liked the player more than others and they kept them. That's all legitimate complaints about the Raiders. Now I think it's a shift. Now I think it's okay. We'd rather let a guy go a year early. So for example, let's just pick somebody who I think is going to make the roster. I'm not concerned about it. Let's use um, Robert Spillane. Going to be your starting middle linebacker. Okay. But all of a sudden, because of money, a guy gets cut. And he he's available that's better than Robert. And if they're able to make it work salary cap-wise, even eating dead money, they'll replace him. Now, again, you got to make it work within your salary cap and everything else. It has to make financial sense. <clears throat> but that is where this team is. And Brandon Parker's look really good. Greg Van Roten's look really good. And I think you're going to see a lot from this Raiders offensive line. I walked away even with adding Dalton Wagner and uh, um, McClendon Curtis, or Curtis, uh, the young man from uh, Tennessee Chattanooga, McClendon Curtis, and Van Roten and bringing Brandon Parker back. I was very impressed with how things are moving there and how things are operating. So I think the offensive line is something – I can't wait for pads. Y'all know when pads come on, I spend a ton of time watching the lines and uh, that will never change with me. But I, th I don't think your offense line is going to be anything to be concerned about at all. Plus you've got quarterbacks now. I want to word my, I want to say things because I'm not trashing Derek Carr, but Derek would hold the ball too long. And you got guys now who understand, okay, better to go down and take a sack, lose three yards. Then to hold on to the ball, risk a fumble, make a bad pass, do an interception. And I just I, I think the Raiders are going to be much better off and in a much better position. Um, I want to talk really quick about Carmen Brasillo. So I mentioned this earlier uh, last weekend talking to a Raider player, and he talked about how the Raiders offensive line plays with Carmen, not for Carmen. Now, if you watched all my interviews this week, um, I asked Mick Lombardi about it. I asked Andre James about it specifically because 
Carmen Brasillo is a taskmaster. He absolutely, um, let me think of the right words here. He absolutely pushes his guys. Nobody gets a free pass with Carmen. But his ability to relate to players, to care about players, they love him. Now, I'm going to tell you something, and you may laugh about this, but that's fine. The last coach I saw who was able to coach his players hard and have that kind of love and devotion was Rich Bisaccia. So that should tell you something, that he's that kind of a guy. They love him. They like him. And uh, I think, in my opinion, he, on Josh's offensive staff, he's the best offensive coach that they have. I think he's special. And uh, I, I think he's really, really good. Then we come to a next guy, and I want to talk about Max Crosby for a moment. Here we were in mini camps. Now, I have bragged extensively on his work ethic. I had the privilege in my life of watching three great players practice. I've, I've watched a ton, but three guys that I consider elite, the best who've ever played their game. Irvin Johnson, Magic, Michael Jordan, and um, Kobe Bryant. Got to watch all three. All three of them were guys that you, if you did not know it was practice, you would have thought it was a game the way that they practiced. The intensity. Um, they gave it all. Tom Izzo the Michigan State Basketball Hall of Fame coach, uh, who happens to be a dear friend of mine, he once said something to me that I'll never forget. He said, when your best player is your hardest worker, then it sets up your team to succeed because everybody looks at the effort of the best player and says, I got to at least match that. So if you are a player, a great player, a good player, excuse me, but you're not giving your best in practice, nobody's going to. Now, I go back and say, I think this is what hurt Allen Iverson. I think he had the ability to be one of the greatest to ever play the game. I think he's good, but I don't think he's close to one of the greatest. And because you you know the attitude. You talk about practice? I mean, you know the attitude that he took. I have watched Michael Jordan the night after a game having a game that night, practice, be the first one on the court, practice unbelievably hard, and be the last one to leave. And spend three hours on the court. When he had a game, played the game the night before and had another one that night. Phenomenal player. His work at I mean, Irvin Johnson. I watched Magic. I don't even know. Practice the coach, and the coach let him. Why he he's that good? And again, then you come to Kobe, who, I mean, he takes every possession as if it's his last possession in the world. And work ethic, first one there, last one off, just like Irvin, just like just like Michael, all of it. I say that because that's Max Crosby. He's running sprints the other day finishing first on a team that's a lot faster. I'm going to get to that in a minute. He's out there coaching guys. He's constantly talking. I'm going to tell you what really impressed me. You have to understand we were quite a ways away. I think it was Byron Young, but it could have been Neil Farrell, could have been anyone else, could have been. But but I watched him at one point walk over, put his armor on a guy, and he's a tackle, and he's an end coaching him. Now, I'm going to say this to you right now, and I'm going to be addressing this in my weekly Q&A article, but Max Crosby is the cornerstone of this franchise. They're not paying him enough. He's more valuable than anything that they're paying him. He's the best defensive end in all of the NFL. Look at some of the other great defensive ends that didn't have a lot of help on the other side. I And, and I think they're much better at defensive tackle this year Max Crosby is an elite player. 
I'm going to go on, on, on the, uh, out on the limb right now. And I'm very comfortable in this limb and I'm 256 pounds. He is going to be voted first team all pro this year. And all this guy does is work. I remember people say, now, let me just say this. He did not come from a wealthy family. I mean, he was, he wasn't born into, um, Carnegie money, whatever. And so when you have players like that, there's a great concern. What will happen when they get money? Now, let me tell you what happens. Some players get the money and they fall off. All of a sudden, they have a lot of money in their pocket. They're eating out more. They're not being careful in their diet. Drink more, party more. So let me tell you what has happened in Max Crosby's life. He doesn't party. He's totally in love with his wife. He's an amazing husband and a terrific father. He'll go out and have fun with the guys, but he's not out there abusing himself. And he'll still be the first one out at practice the next day. But what he's done is, you may remember, Magic Johnson told me this one time. I asked him, what's the difference between a great player and a good player? And Magic told, told me, a great to be great, you got to be a good player who also makes players around you better. That's how you get great. If you don't make players around you better, no matter how good you are, you can't be great. Okay. I I, I believe that was the story with Allen Iverson. Good player. I love to watch him. I interviewed him once. Thought he was a great guy. Liked him. But he wasn't great. Max Crosby is great. I watched him talking to offensive players, defensive players, giving wisdom, talking to guys, sharing insight. He's the hardest worker in practice. It's not even close. I don't even care if you knew who Max Crosby was at not. If they went to practice and nobody wore numbers, and I dropped a person who doesn't even know football in at practice and said, watch all the practice, then go up and tell me the guy who's the hardest working player. It isn't even close. 100 out of 100 is picking Max Crosby. That's just who he is. So anyways – that's where I think Max Crosby has just distinguished himself and this OTA even more than ever. I mean, the guy's got all the money. He's got the honey and his wife and daughter. He's got the, the fame. And he's out there working harder than anyone else. He is a freak of nature. And I have a great relationship with Max. I respect him as a, as a player. Love him as a guy. Um, again, have a good relationship with him. I'm not pretending I don't. But that has nothing to do to overshadow or, or to even sway my opinion on how good he is. Raider Nation, you need to enjoy him. Now, I'm going to tell you this. I, I get asked this all the time. Hondo, I'm a dad. What player do you think would be a good one for my, my jersey for my kid to wear? This is a great team of Raider character, guys. I've covered sports for decades. This may be one of the best teams character-wise <clears throat> that I know of. So there's lots of great players to buy a jersey. But I'm going to tell you, as a dad, I love that, that my son looks up to Max Crosby. That's a guy that off the field, how he handles himself, on the field, how he handles himself, the way he loves his wife and, and daughter and family. It, it's just a testament to character. And this OTA I saw him even more than ever being coach. And I think he's going to have a huge year in 2023. All right, moving on. I want to talk to you about Brandon Faison. And I got to hurry here because I got three more players to talk about. First of all, I said when they let him go, they shouldn't have. So glad Brandon's back. He is such a calming influence. I love the way him and Marcus Epps relate to one another. I was watching Marcus and him and the working, the communication. Um, I, I I don't know how people can say this roster is not improved. Marcus Epps was a major ep upgrade and others. You mean bringing back Brandon Faison, major upgrade, and you go get a rookie like Jacorian Bennett and Chris Smith, the safety, but others, other free agents, they're not the only ones. But Brandon Faison, just what he brings, the way he covers guys, he's so fluid. I thought he was good and shouldn't have left the first time. 
it was interesting to me because I specifically watched him closely how dynamic he is. When he goes up in the air, now we all know there's no pads. We're not pretending. But when he goes up in the air, he is able to use his body to create separation to go up and get the ball, to high point the ball. And when you use your rear end or you use your side, you're not going to get a penalty for that very often, very rarely. Other well, Raiders, so they might. But I just think he's going to bring an element that was really lost on this defense. Now, having said that, and and I the, the defense, no pads. So this doesn't mean anything till pads come on. But they put a huge emphasis, Dave Ziegler on did a huge emphasis. We've got to get more um big plays, more turnovers, more big plays from our defense. All pads. So just going off of interceptions, you did see it in this minicamp. I thought that was really, really good. And there were a couple of interceptions that were not bad passes. They were great passes. Just guys made great plays. <clears throat> now I want to get to Neil Farrell. Um, him and Matthew Butler have both come in. But again, I watched in this OTA some energy um, that I had not seen before from him. Listen, I'm a big guy. Okay. And so I understand big guys. You can be out there in the sun and do nothing, and it's just draining out of you. I get that. I understand it. But I saw energy from him, reps. A couple of times I saw him taking extra reps. Matthew Butler, again, I think is better, and I think they're both going to make the roster now. Before I told you I didn't think they both would. I think they're both making the roster now. But I, Neil Farrell, I can't wait to see him in pads. That is going to be a big deal to me. I really want to see pads, and uh, but I was impressed. And then I want to talk about Michael Mayer. And here's a couple of things. I, now, remember, he's a rookie out of Notre Dame. So this is a young man that is fascinating for a lot of different reasons. Um, We all know he's an offensive threat. In fact, he was Notre Dame's offense. He was it. And but he continued to play. But uh, guys really are impressed with his toughness. Now, only in shorts, so everything can change. But I had a player last night tell me I'm anxious to see him with the pads on. I think he is going to be uh, a tremendous blocker. Just the way he's able to move, even when it's just drills where you're not hitting. The quickness, hand quickness, I think they were really surprised how quick he can get his hands on the guy, on the defender. I think we all know I think he's going to be an elite tight end. In fact, I, I, yeah, an elite tight end. I think uh, he's going to be an elite. Uh, that was an elite pass catching tight end. I think he's going to be an elite um, blocking tight end as well. I, he's the real deal in his Teammates really like him, just really like him. In fact, one of them was joking me yesterday and called him mayonnaise. And uh, I don't think that's a team nickname. I just thought it was funny. And, and they were just talking about him and, and the way he just, for a rookie, you know, just the way he takes care of himself, the way he handles himself, the question that he asks. There's a lot of great things about him. I, I'm going to say this. And this is probably the fifth time, only shorts. But when you have only shorts on and you're impressing your teammates, that's another story. You see, fans don't understand. Players don't care where you got drafted and they don't care about your signing bonus or your salary. Players want to win. They want the best players on the field. So who cares if you impress a media person? Who cares if I post a video and a fan loves it? Do your teammates? They're the ones in the locker room. Do they, are they impressed with your work ethic? How you handle yourself? They should be. And if they are, that's a big deal. And they are with Michael Mayer. All right. Now, I have a lot more that I want to get into. I'm not going to get into today. And I'm going to tell you why. Because we've got one more week of OTAs. And everything I didn't address to you today I want to wait and just get a little bit more visual and OTA on, and then I'm going to come back and talk more on. 
So for today, that's what stood out to me at camp. I hope you appreciate all the updates. We appreciate all of you. Remember this. This is super important. Without you, I'm just a man in front of a camera. You guys are the ones that give me the privilege every single day of covering what I believe is the most the most inf- the most famous um, professional sports team uh, in all the world. Now I get laughed at. People say, "What about the Cowboys? What about Manchester United? What about whatever?" Mont- the Toronto Maple Leafs. I'm gonna tell you this: no franchise has changed professional sports more than the Las Vegas Raiders. Have been they, have they been down the last several years? You better believe it. And the fact that their fan base is still as engaged as it is tells you how great of a franchise it is. But you can't go back since 1960 with Al Davis and look at all that what this franchise has done. Moving franchises, minority hirings, whatever. On the field, throwing the ball down the field, being innovative. You can't look at that and say that the Raiders aren't that. And they are. Now they got to get back to winning. And I think they're on that track. But it's been fascinating. And I just want to say to you, without you guys, it's nothing. And I'm constantly telling fans how much I appreciate you and how much I respect you. Because without you, I don't have a job. And again, I'm not God. If you disagree, that's fine. I'm okay with that. Um, Just giving you the information. Because I don't feel like you need me to tell you what to think. I'm providing the information so you can think. You may say, I don't care how good Michael Mayer looks. He's a bum. I hate him. No big deal. Great. That's your call. I'm just passing you on information that I'm hearing from other people around the NFL, people in the building, and things that I'm seeing so that you have the best quality information to make the best decisions uh, for you. So for all of us here, Sports Illustrated, Las Vegas Raiders, uh, Insider, podcast part of the fan nation network also part of the fans first sports network where you can catch all my audios of my podcast thanks for being with us i hope you have a great weekend god bless you everybody and thanks for listening and whatever you do this weekend be safe hey it's kaylee cuoco for priceline ready to go to your happy place for a happy price well why didn't you say so just download the priceline app right now and save up to 60 percent on hotels so whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo Concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not uh, as simple you know, I, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. This has been a Las Vegas Raiders Insider production on the Fans First Sports Network. Whoa, whoa.